Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Good morning and welcome to this morning's uh, Signpost webinar. My name is Pat Murphy and I'm coming to you this morning from uh, a, a wet and windy Moor Park. This morning's webinar is, is brought to you in association with Dairy Sustainability Ireland, Food Drink Ireland Skillnet and the National Rural Network. This morning, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Lorraine Belain. Lorraine is working at our Rural Economy Research Centre, where she's just been appointed as a, as a research officer. Originally, I think from Paris, uh, Lorraine, what brings you to a, a wet and dreary uh, uh, Athenry from, from, from Paris? Well, just a love of agriculture, really, so... <laughs> and where I'm meant to be, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm also joined to help with questions this morning uh, by uh, Seamus Carney. Uh, Lorraine will be talking to us this morning about assessing sustainability of European uh, dairy farms based on, on, on uh, case study d- data. A fairly topical uh, uh, subject and uh, a, a tricky subject, I, I, I suspect, in terms of trying to uh, compare different systems in terms of their sustainability. Well, um, good morning, everyone, and thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, so I work in Chagask uh, with Dominica Krul and Cahill Buckley. I'll be presenting work from the Milky Project. That's a new funded project, as well as some funding from Daphne here in Ireland. And I'd like to also acknowledge the contribution from different partners uh, across Europe, uh, without whom it wouldn't have been possible to uh, present those results here today. Uh, so yeah, the work is on basically measurements of sustainability on European um, dairy farms, and I'm just going to be using some examples from case study data. So um, regarding the presentation, uh, briefly talk about why it is important to assess farm sustainability. Uh, I'll just describe the objectives of the talk. Uh, I'll explain a little bit more about the farm data, and then we'll go through the two main objectives, which are to look at individual sustainability uh, metrics, as well as a methodological tool to integrate the three sustainability dimensions into a single framework. And finally, I'll take you through uh, the conclusions. So I suppose the first question here is, why should we assess uh, farm sustainability? And there's different reasons why people might be interested in assessing farm sustainability. And one of them is a policy reason. So people might be interested in tracking sustainability trends on farms and potentially using that information to allocate resources to achieve the desired sustainability goals. So one example of that is what's done in the European Union. So you are all aware of the European Green Deal and the ambition to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. So the EU then uh, described specific environmental targets uh, for the agricultural sector through the farm to fork strategy. And what you see here on the slide is a reduction in pesticide uh, use, for instance, by 50%, an increase in the amount of land that's farmed organically uh, by 25%. So typically, in order to see if we're achieving these targets, it's important to do these farm level assessments uh, to track the trends. Another reason is a farmer or an advisory reason. So we might be interested in identifying areas of improvements at the farm level and then tailor solutions for the specific farm conditions. So this is something important for farmers who may be interested in improving sustainability in different areas. Uh, And also it's important for advisors uh, so that they're able to engage in the conversation with their clients uh, and help them achieve those goals. Another reason uh, that people might be looking at these sustainability assessments is a marketing reason. So this is something something that, for instance, Borbia does. They try to demonstrate the the sustainability credentials of Irish products to get a better price than on the market. So I suppose the next question is, why is it difficult to do this? 
Um, and it's, it's a complex task because um, sustainability is a multidimensional concept. So it's, it's now widely acknowledged that uh, it encompasses different dimensions like the economic, environmental and social dimension. And within this dimension, there are different aspects and those can be quantitative aspects or qualitative aspects. So what I mean by quantitative aspects is, for instance, the money thing. So that can be counted, uh, like the cost uh, of operating the farm. Uh, then qualitative aspects can be, for instance, farmers' perceptions of their quality of life. And you see that uh, because of this, it's actually not that easy to observe or measure these different aspects. And this is something that's true, not only for qualitative aspects, but also for quantitative, quantitative aspects. So if you take the example of gaseous emissions, it's um, not really feasible to go out to every farm and try to measure all the emissions. Uh, so we are trying to use tools that can help us quantify these emissions. Um, and again, because, you know, those gaseous emissions, for instance, they cannot really be observed. It's not a tangible thing. So th this adds to the complexity. And uh, another important aspect here is that it's really important to look, have a comprehensive view of farm sustainability, because there may be synergies or trade-offs within different aspects of sustainability. And if you look only at a small window, uh, you may observe only part of the sustainability story of the farm. And by synergies, I mean, for instance, if you were to improve cow productivity, so increase milk yield per cow, you could observe um, a positive story of GHG emissions per unit of milk produced. Uh, but if, and that's what we call a synergy, um, a trade-off would be, for instance, you know, if you were to improve the milk yield of the cow, you might be increasing production scale and potentially this could have um, a negative effect then on the total emissions that are being generated on the farm. And, and that's, that's a trade-off. Um, so it is important to have this sort of holistic view. There's other aspects here that add to this complexity. So the first one is that there's a wide variety of methods to measure the same sustainability aspects. And this figure here, I, I actually stole it from the Chagas Sustainability Reports, and I think it's, it's, it's a good example. So this looks at GAG emissions per kilograms of uh, milk produced on an average dairy farm. And uh, what you see is two lines, a line that represents the results from the Chagas National Farm Survey uh, with an LCA approach, so a life cycle assessment approach. And then uh, you see another line that's basically the board PER GHG uh, estimation. And uh, what we observe here is that the, there are similar trends uh, within these two, between these two lines. But uh, there are differences in the figures that are obtained. And so this gives you a good example that we're trying to measure the same aspect, but uh, two methods can achieve two different results. The second thing here is that there's actually a wide variety of ways to report the results as well. So uh, here again, an example with GAG emissions. So these are Irish agricultural GAG emissions over um, a, a long time period, so between 2007 and 2020. Uh, these are emissions that actually come from the National Inventory Report. And uh, what you see is a blue line here where the emissions are divided uh, by the total value of agricultural output produced. So these are uh, emissions per euro produced in Ireland. Uh, and you see a quite positive story there of a decrease uh, in these emissions per, per euro. Um, but if you look at a similar measure, but you know, of emissions, so, but just the absolute uh, GHG emissions, so not divided by anything uh, in the red line, what you'll observe is actually a negative story of an increase in GHG emissions. So this just shows that depending on how we want to look at the story or how we report those results, we might be observing different things. So I suppose the main objective of my talk today is just to provide you an overview of the milky journey. So 
we face all these issues in my project and I just want to draw some lessons here uh, and maybe help people to um, you know interpret results better or maybe be a little bit more pragmatic about them or you know just clarify a little bit this this complexity. So we're going to talk about individual metrics and answer um, the following questions. So can individual metrics tell us the sustainability story of the farm? How can we choose which method and functional unit to use? So by functional unit here, I mean basically what we use to divide the measures. So say, for instance, if we took, talk about GAG emissions per euro produced or per hectare, so the hectares or the euro produced are the functional unit. And then we'll talk a little bit about the forgotten dimension. So this is uh, social sustainability. In the second part of the talk, I'll present some integrated metrics. And specifically, I will talk about how we can integrate multiple sustainability aspects and dimensions into a single methodological framework. But first, just a quick word about the data collection in this project and the data that I'll be using uh, as examples here in, in this presentation. So in this project, we collected data in Poland, in France, in Ireland, Germany, Norway, and Greece. There were about two case studies per country with a wide range of, of profiles. So they were all specialized dairy farms, but as you can imagine, they operate in really different ways uh, because of their location. Uh, so we had a you know, nice uh, representation of, of different types of, of farming conditions. Uh, so in the winter of 2021, we did face-to-face -face and phone interviews to collect the data, and the data actually relates to the year 2020. So I have two pictures here. Um, the ones of the, the cows grazing is actually a picture from France uh, with the black and white cows. And then I have a picture there of some nice Jersey crosses uh, during the indoor period um, on one of the Irish farms that participated in the study. So for the purpose of this talk here, I'll just use the examples from three farms. So one French farm, um, one German farm, and one Irish farm. The German farm is actually an organic farm, uh, but this is um, not the main focus here, but this is just one of the characteristics of this farm. So what we observe here is that there are differences in, in the size of these farms. So uh, the organic farm actually is very large in terms of hectares, uh, but the farm that has uh, the largest amount of dairy cows is actually the Irish farm. And so the Irish farm operates with a quite large um, farm stocking rate, uh, while the other two farms are have lower farm, farming um, stocking rate. Uh, the farms that were participating in the study, mostly they were all year, uh, they had an all year calving pattern, except the Irish farms that were, um, you know, this is one of the main characteristics of the Irish production system here. Uh, so, it, you know, this Irish farm was actually a, a spring, had a spring calving herd. Uh, all these farms actually perform some level of grazing, but the big winner here was the Irish farm, so with about 260 days at grass. Uh, the Irish farm also had 100% of grassland. The other two farms here, they had some amount of arable crops, uh, and specifically the French farm actually had uh, quite a significant amount of land dedicated to uh, arable crops. Finally, while all these farms were specialized in dairy production, the French farm actually had a beef fattening enterprise and sold some of these arable crops. So they derived a significant portion of their income from uh, these additional farming enterprises. Okay, so now going into uh, the first objective here, which is to explore uh, individual sustainability metrics. I'm gonna describe farm sustainability through uh, different metrics in the economic and environmental dimension. And here my goal is to just give you some examples of the types of metrics we can use and to really explain that uh, depending on the metrics that we select, 
um, we may be observing different sustainability stories. And those highlighting the need to really have a comprehensive view when we select uh, these, these type of sustainability metrics. So let's take some examples here in the economic dimension. So I have four sustainability metrics on the slide. Uh, three of them um, are gross output, gross margin, and net income divided per hectare. So gross output is basically the, the production value of the farm. The gross margin is uh, the gross output minus the cost associated with the, the actual production activity of the farm. And the net income then uh, looks at gross margin minus all other operating costs like you know, water expenditure, electricity, wages, things like that. Uh, and it also accounts for, for subsidies. So these three measures here are divided per hectare uh, to basically account for farm size in, in, in the result. And what you observe uh, when you look at these three measures is that the Irish farm is actually performing pretty really well uh, compared to the French case study and the German case study. And it's really interesting to look at that and then compare it with the result that you obtain uh, when looking at milk yield per cow. So actually, when looking at milk yield, the Irish farm produces about uh, five uh, 5,000 litres of milk per cow, while the French farm, for instance, produces about 10,000. Um, so, you know, if we were to look at this measure, we would think actually the Irish farm doesn't perform that well in terms of productivity. But if you complete that story with other measures, you see that actually it does have a quite strong economic performance when, when accounting for these of other measures. So, you know, this is just an example of how, depending on the metric that you select, you may be observing different stories. Now, moving on to the environmental dimension, uh, I'm going to present basically three metrics and show how the story also can vary depending on the metric that we select. So the first metric here um, is GHG emissions. Uh, those are presented per hectare here also to account for farm size. Um, and these emissions were uh, basically estimated with a life cycle assessment approach. Uh, and what we observe here is that the Irish farm actually has quite high emissions on a per hectare basis. So somewhere around uh, 15 tons of CO2 equivalents per hectare. While, for instance, the German organic farm actually uh, has, you know, emits about uh, six, to uh, six tons of CO2 equivalent per hectare. So you observe quite, quite large differences. The French farm is somewhere um, in the middle there. When looking at the eutrophication uh, indicator, so this is an indicator of water quality. It looks at basically excess nutrients and their risk to water quality. Uh, and they are reported uh, per kilograms of phosphates equivalent per hectare. We observed that the French and the Irish farm actually don't perform very well here either. Uh, the German farm has a lower uh, pressure here. So it's kind of, it's, it follows kind of the similar, similar story uh, than the first graph that I presented. And I think this, this is basically mostly driven by uh, fertilizer application and pesticide use. Um, and this is one of the reasons why you observe it here uh, because of the organic nature of, of the German farm. Now, when we look at this third indicator that I have here, which uh, is basically land, uh, land occupation for the production of one kilograms of, of fat and protein correctedly, you see that the, his, the story actually reverses. So this looks at the amount of land that is needed to produce one kilogram of milk. 
And we find that uh, actually the Irish farm performs the best here. So it needs uh, the least amount of land to produce one kilogram of milk, while the German farm that was looking quite well in the other two metrics actually is the worst farm when we look at this metric. So they need the largest amount of land uh, to produce one kilogram of milk. And uh, this is actually something quite common when we look at organic farms, they usually need more land to produce the same amount of food. So again, this is just a way of, of showing that depending on the metric, we might be observing different stories. And on top of all of that, different methods can lead to different results. So I'm presenting here a graph um, that was produced as part of my project where we estimated GEG emissions per hectare with two different methods. So the NI method is actually a method uh, that used the national inventory approach applied at the farm level and looked at on-farm emissions. While the LCA method actually was a lot more detailed, it went more in depth, and it looked at on and off farm emissions. But even in the way it estimated these on farm emissions, uh, it, it actually used more detailed information to do that. Um, so you observe quite a lot of differences here. So let's take the example of the Irish farm. So in one case, it emits somewhere around 15 tons. Uh, and in the other case, it meets uh, somewhere around 11 or 12. So, you know, Basically, depending on the system boundaries uh, that we use in the assessment, we may observe different results. Um, and the amount of data that is needed in order to do one assessment or the other actually varies quite extensively. So for instance, in the NI method, um, I didn't use the level of productivity of the farm and I didn't use information about what the cows were eating. But this actually is information that we need to run the LCA. And this just shows you the amount of data then, you know, we need that information by, by cattle type, by age. And so this, you know, of course, when, when talking with the farmer and trying to do those assessments, the amount of information that we need from them is going to vary a lot depending on the method that we use. These methods then they have different applications. So one method actually looks at doing an inventory and the other one is a life cycle approach. So what does this mean? The inventory uh, is basically a way to look at the emissions that are being um, generated only within the farm. And the reason why we do that is that if tomorrow we are to aggregate the emissions from all the farms, we're gonna get the total amount emitted in Ireland. And we don't want to do double counting. So we are not taking into account um, the emissions that are being produced outside of the farm. If we were to take those into account in an inventory approach, it means that if we were to aggregate all the emissions, then we would be double counting some of those emissions. And that is the reason why you know, the inventory approach is used for something else than a life cycle assessment, which looks at the whole cycle, basically. So what are the implications here? Well, the implications are that depending on what we're trying to achieve, we may use one or the other approach, but also when people look at figures um, estimated, you know, they need to be quite careful as to where the system boundaries are and how to interpret then the results that they, they obtain. Uh, the other point here is that different functional units can tell different stories. So here I'm just showing a graph of my three case study farms uh, that look at the emission intensity versus the emission pressure. So emission intensity is actually the emissions uh, divided by fat and protein corrected milk. So this is an efficiency measure because we're trying to see, you know, how little we emit when producing one kilogram of milk. 
Uh, and then the emission pressure story looks at the emissions on a per hectare basis. Um, and what you observe here is really interesting is that, for instance, the Irish farm has quite high emissions per hectare, but actually uh, that farm is really, really good at producing, um, you know, milk in an environmentally efficient way. The French farm is somewhere in the middle and the German farm that has really low emissions per hectare actually is not that, that doesn't perform that well in terms of emission intensity. So these results, they relate uh, to farm characteristics, mostly driven basically by farm stocking rates and, uh, the, uh, and the level of intensity of production. And again, they have different applications. So in one case, you're looking at the environmental efficiency, and in the other one, you're looking at the environmental pressure. And that's really something important to bear in mind when losing, using those figures. So what are the implications here? Well, the main thing I want to say is that when we talk about targets in terms of climate, those uh, are expressed in terms of absolute impact. So even if someone, it is sometimes it is really useful to look at efficiency measures or intensity measures, uh, it is also always important to take a step back and think about the absolute impact um, because there may be different stories as, as proven by this slide, basically. So I just have some mid-presentation lessons here. Uh, the sustainability story of the farm is sensitive to the metric that we use, the method, and the functional unit. So, you know, what is the selection, what selection criteria can we use? Well, the, you know, the method, the metric, the functional unit, they need to be adapted to objectives and they need to be relevant to users. It needs to be feasible because um, it is data dependent. And it's also really important to recognize the limitations and be very upfront about them so that when people read and review work or interpret work, they're able to do so while being aware of, of the limitations or the system boundaries and things like that. So before moving on to the integrated assessment, I'm just going to talk briefly about the forgotten social dimension. So why do I say forgotten? Um, this is the case because actually it's something very difficult uh, to define and, and those to measure. And generally speaking, we've, we've spoken less about this than the environmental dimension or the economic dimension. So broadly speaking, it's divided into two subsets, um, the internal sustainability that looks at the well-being of the farmer or the, fa or the family um, of the farmer. Uh, and then the second subset is external sustainability, which looks at society's expectation of agriculture. And when I say that, uh, you know, generally we talk about uh, agriculture beyond the productive function of agriculture. So what we find usually is that there are some pr pragmatic indicators of social sustainability that can be easily tracked over time. So these are, for instance, labor hours, animal health, product quality. But there's kind of a push now to embrace more the subjective nature of social sustainability and get farmers to self-assess their lives um, so that they help us better understand uh, this, this dimension. So for instance, in the Milky Project, what we did is we looked at uh, farmers' perceptions and uh, we sort of built an index uh, based on their perceptions of their uh, the fulfillment of their needs um, within the farm work and outside of the farm as well. So um, they basically had to answer um, to, to, to tell us their level of agreement or disagreement with various statements. And I just put some examples here. So it relates to, you know, whether they feel lonely um, on the farm, whether they're optimistic about the future of farming in their country, whether they're able uh, to realize their own dreams and visions outside of uh, their farm, their farming role. 
and whether they feel that the work uh, done by farmers is actually appreciated uh, by society. So generally speaking, we observe quite a lot of differences across farmers themselves. There were no real pattern there, um, country by country, but also this is a case study analysis, so we didn't have enough farms to, to draw wider conclusions. But it's just a really interesting exercise here, and I think that going forward, it's something that's going to be uh, increasingly important in the, in the social space. Right, so let's move now, move on to the second objective, which is to talk about how to integrate the three sustainability dimensions into single methodological framework. And we tried to do this as part of the Milky project using a multi-criteria sustainability assessment uh, with a tool called the multi-criteria decision modeling method. So this is something that we did in an open access software called Dexi. And this was led uh, mostly by some French colleagues at uh, the INRAE. Uh, so this method actually is a hierarchical method. Um, the goal here is to disaggregate problems into sub-problems and to do this until we obtain quantifiable indicators. So the type of indicators that I showed uh, in the previous slides, basically these are going to be at the bottom uh, of the exercise and we're going to start up and disaggregate the sustainability problem until we achieve those quantifiable indicators. So because of this, actually the exercise follows a tree structure where the answers to problems then can be aggregated at different levels. So these sustainability indicators, they're gonna give us a score and we're gonna aggregate them onto the next level and onto the next level until we obtain an overall farm sustainability score. So it's gonna look like something like this. So farm sustainability can be divided into the three dimensions. So economic, environmental, and social. And then we're gonna divide this into sustainability aspects. So for instance, for the economic dimension, this is gonna be profitability, resilience, efficiency. So those are just examples, but you know they, they can be expanded, of course. And uh, we're gonna then disaggregate this into uh, the next level. And the next level here would be, for instance, gross margin as an indicator of profitability, reliance on subsidies as an indicator uh, of resilience. So you see how then this, this follows the, the tree structure. So in Milky, what we did is we constructed um, a sustainability tree, which we call the Dexy Dairy Sustainability Tree. And we followed multiple steps to do that. The first one is, uh, the choice of the tree structure and sustainability indicators. So in our tree, we have 12 economic indicators, 22 environmental indicators and six, uh, six social indicators. But obviously this can vary depending on, uh, like this, this was our choice, but this can vary uh, for other people that will apply this type of method. In the second step, we weighted sustainability aspects against each other based on their relative importance. So the goal here would be to say, for instance, if a farm is located in an area that is very sensitive to water quality problems, potentially we could decide to put a higher weight on the water quality indicators compared to other environmental indicators or economic or social indicators, saying that specifically in that area, we need to emphasize the importance of this aspect. And this is kind of this weighting exercise then. And this can be done in, in this type of method. Uh, the third step here was uh, to construct a qualitative scale of, of sustainability marks uh, based on reference values for each of the sustainability indicator. So basically, um, let's take the example of milk yield per cow. So uh, the Irish farm that, that produced about 5,000 liters of milk per cow, uh, you know, this is lower, say, than uh, the French farm that had 10,000 liters of milk per cow. So we gave a score of one to the Irish farm, which is, was the lowest mark, and then 
the French farm got a four, which was the highest mark. And those marks basically are ordered uh, from low to high sustainability performance. And with those marks, then these are the ones that were aggregated at different levels to obtain an overall farm sustainability score. We then populated the module with farm data and we aggregated all our indicator scores uh, to obtain the farm sustainability scores. So just to give you an example of what the tree can look like, this is the environmental branch that we produced as part of the project. And you can see that this can be as complicated as we want and as disaggregated as we want. Uh, so here, there are 22 indicators. These are categorized into different uh, sustainability aspects uh, under the umbrella of the environmental dimension. So I'm just gonna give you here uh, some results that we obtained and show you how uh, we can use this type of assessment uh, to get information uh, about farm sustainability. So first I'm gonna present some results from the environmental branch and uh, what can be done with this type of work is, is this type of nice uh, heat diagram uh, where basically everything that's in red uh, is a relatively low uh, environmental performance. Things that are in green are actually a high environmental performance. And then the yellow would be kind of the medium uh, performance. And the main message here is that there is no farm in here in the study and anywhere actually for, um, you know, by nature, none of them can be excellent at everything. So in, in no case, you're going to observe green everywhere. And this is something that's important to recognize. Uh, we are trying to achieve a balance where things work. Um, and we are trying also to identify where things do not work so that they can be improved. So for instance, when looking at this graph, you see that the Irish farm um, has some red there uh, in water quality or climate change. So these would be the areas of improvement for the Irish farm. Uh, the German farm, for instance, they have some red uh, when talking about biodiversity. Uh, so for instance, the areas of improvement for uh, the German farm would be would be that area. So it's, it's kind of a useful way to see uh, what can be targeted um, to improve sustainability. So then uh, the results can also be represented by sustainability dimension in the type of uh, spider web uh, format. Uh, so what we see here is that the social score, for instance, for the Irish farm uh, was very good, uh, specifically compared to the two other farms. Uh, but the Irish farm actually did not perform as well as the others in the economic branch. Uh, and all the tree farms actually, when aggregating all the scores, had the same uh, sort of environmental performance. Then moving on to the next level, we can obtain sort of an overall sustainability score. Uh, and what we see here is that the Irish and the German farm had um, a, a pretty good um, overall sustainability performance, while the French farm was more in the middle. But obviously, when you obtain this type of results, then in order to know where things can be improved or get you know, a more detailed sustainability story, it is important to look at the results, re-disaggregate this so that you obtain the heat diagram and you're able then to uh, sort of um, identify the, the areas of improvement. Right, so this takes us to uh, my conclusions. Um, individual sustainability metrics, they can provide information about farm sustainability, but it is really important to be as comprehensive as possible because we may be missing part of the sustainability story if we focus only on certain metrics. Uh, the second point here is that, uh, you know, integrating sustainability metrics in uh, multi-criteria assessment, that's a way of adopting this holistic view uh, and, you know, and obtaining this, this type of um, uh, 
hit diagram where you see, the, you know, where we perform well versus where we don't perform that well. Uh, it's also really important to recognize that assessments are sensitive to the metrics that we select, the method that we use to assess those, um, to estimate those, those, those uh, indicators, and also the functional unit that is used to do the reporting. So this, it's really important for people to be careful um, when they interpret results and to be quite aware of what they're looking at. And finally, I just want to highlight here that no national sustainability conclusions can be inferred from the case study results that I proved here. These were three examples and they were uh, basically used to, to demonstrate um, a point related to the sustainability metrics. So I don't want anybody to leave here thinking, oh, the Irish fund performed here doing that and not here doing this. So this is, this is not the goal here uh, of this talk. So thank you very much uh, for, for your attention. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Uh, I suppose it may be the sad former economist in me, but I found that absolutely fascinating. Uh, I'm glad. I hope other people in the audience uh, found that too. Raises a lot. Raises a lot of questions, and and if you have questions, we'll get you to put them into the the, the uh, Q and A if if you if you would please. Uh, I suppose just a, a couple of first things. Um, the uh, your colleagues uh, and yourself in the in the future working on the the NFS sustainability analysis. What has your, I suppose, learning through this project brought to uh, the table, if you want, in relation to how you might progress and and what might be brought into the 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 way we look at at sustainability in the National Farm Survey? Look, I think. It, I, not that we want to pat ourselves in the back, but, you know, there's a lot of work being done in Chagas and we are very advanced compared to other European countries in terms of um, data and sustainability metrics. So we already have a lot done with the nationally representative samples of Irish farms. So we have a lot of information and we're very lucky. In Ireland. Uh, this is my, my first observation and I am French, so I'm not saying this, um, you know, it's, it's just to uh, basically applaud the Irish. I'm saying this because this is the reality and we're there's been a lot of work here uh, done. Um, so this is specifically in the economic and the environmental dimension. So I think if you if you tuned into the presentation of the Chagas National, um, the sustainability report, sorry, you you may have seen as well that there's a lot of work being done in the social um, in the social dimension to sort of improve as well our our metrics there and and. You know, as I mentioned in, in this presentation, it's something that's actually really difficult to do because it has to do with the farmer's perceptions and how we can track that over time um, is something difficult. Also, because when you do this type of a survey, you know, if the farmer, um, you know, had a bad morning and, uh, you, you know, they're going to be more negative. So basically the mood... <laughs> when going into this type of survey is going to really affect how they're going to answer the questions. And this is something quite challenging in, in the social dimension. So um, there's work being done there and there's been progress overall. Uh, but, you know, we are aware that, that this needs to be improved. Now, the multi-criteria assessments and the way that this was done in the project, I think this is something really interesting to, to have this sort of... Um, you know, heat diagrams or overall uh, sustainability score. This is not something that we've done with the NFS yet. And, you know, it's a, it's an interesting and good exercise. It also has some limitations because, uh, you know, the limitations that I pointed out in this talk, the method, the metric, the functional unit, we face them as well when we do a multi-criteria assessment. So um, my worry would be that if we were to do this at a sort of a national scale, um, that that people wouldn't 
be careful when interpreting those results and wouldn't look into what there is behind the overall score. So it's it's something useful, but it's something also that can be dangerous if that if that okay. makes sense. And, and I suppose one of the the things that that's always of interest is. Uh, I suppose we have the high-level data collection with the NFS, but then we have a lot of data on farms. And I suppose how far, uh, one of the questions is always how far can we go with the general population of farms to use the data we have uh, and bring it together to, to form an assessment? Um, well, look, there's GDPR issues, of course, because you know farmers they may be giving information to uh, different different bodies like the ICDF or and. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that farmers uh, are willing to to transfer that data over to people like us. Uh, we don't want, um, we are a science-based institution. We don't want uh, our work to then be used as a stick <laughs> to people either. So, you know, we want to uh, create knowledge. And um, I see this as, a, as something that can be a little bit challenging there. But of course, you know, going forward, uh, considering the amount of data that we need to do these assessments, it is important um, to make some efforts to join um, basically all data sources that we have. So uh, this is something that is ongoing overall, and uh, people are aware of that, and there's efforts being made in the institution to 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 do those links, basically. So. Okay, James, a good few questions to go in. And I, yeah, I, I, I was maybe starting with the first one there, Pat, just in relation to the hectares, Lorraine, um, which hectares were used? Was it the total farm hectares when you're dividing the, the, the output per hectare or was it just the area dedicated to the dairy on those farms? Uh, it was the utilised agricultural area, so the basically the total farm size. Um, well, not, not the total farm size, the utilised agricultural area, actually. Uh, but the GHG emissions were estimated at the farm level, so they included all, um, you know, all farm activities. So, for instance, for the French farm, uh, the emissions of the beef enterprise were included in that assessment. So if you want to divide them, uh, so that's for the per hectare. If you want to divide them per kilograms of milk, then we do an allocation to strip out the effect of other farming enterprises. So this was, for instance, relevant for the, the French farm that had the beef fattening enterprise. So you make sure you take out basically the effect of those beef animals uh, to get the dairy emissions and uh, then divide them per kilograms of, of milk produced. So the per hectare was all hectares on the farms. Yeah, 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 that's uh, it. Yeah. And maybe an, another question kind of related as well, Lorraine, is um, you mentioned the milk yield per cow. Did you look at the milk yield per hectare then or how does that influence the, the, the measurement? Yeah, I didn't look at that, but that would be something interesting to do. Uh, now, if I were to do that, I would allocate, I would not use the the whole utilised agricultural area because there's part of the farms that could be dedicated to um other other things like you know arable crops that are being sold off farm or beef animals and done you would need to to basically divide allocate the, the farm um fields that are being used for the dairy cows uh you know and separate them from the others so um but that that would be an interesting exercise as well to do yeah, yeah. I, do you want to take the next one Pat? Yeah, yeah uh, uh, I suppose a, a question there is to which is the most relevant measures emissions pressure or intensity uh, I suppose you alluded to the, the 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 I suppose the conundrum there in 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 what in what uh, uh, metrics you use in in your presentation. Well, look, the two can be used for different things, and I suppose um, so. I I I generally prefer to look at results in terms of emission pressure because I think those uh, tell us more about um, you know the 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 climate targets because they tell us you know. 
they basically look at these absolute emissions. Uh, but that being said, it is really important to recognize as well that um, the improvement in the technological progress that we've made um, has allowed to be more efficient. And if we were to produce as much milk, uh, you know, uh, as we do today with technologies that we had 10 or 15 years ago, we would generate a lot more emissions. And so looking at emission intensity can also give you a technology perspective. And so it can be used for that. So using both actually can give you a, a full story, if, if that makes sense. Um, but it's, it's, it, in my opinion, it's dangerous to look only at intensity. And it's always important to take a step back and look as well at the, the hectare measure or the total, um, you know, or the, just the total emissions. Um, yeah, and I think there's there's a, a comment uh, as, yeah. as much as a question here, uh, all this uh, from, from a, a listener, all this learning about efficiency and farming is pointless if they continue to be trumped by increasing our high uh, capital numbers. Absolute emission is the key. Uh, when will this be discussed by Chavez? So I think it's a it's a, a comment, it's not a question to you in particular, but but I think it, it points to that, uh, I suppose, increasing importance of the overall uh, emissions level as opposed to intensities in the in the uh, in the in the discussion. Yeah, and I, 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 I may I may just do uh, just a, a quick comment on that. I I think that's very true, and that would that would be my opinion. It would be to be very careful about the pressure, uh, especially when you talk about national targets. Now, in the presentation, you saw this graph on the land occupation. Um, you know the amount of land dedicated to the you know that we need to produce one kilogram of milk. And I suppose if you take a step back from the national targets and look at the international level, this is something really interesting as well because you could you could say well. You you know, we need to achieve our national targets, but at the same time, if the milk is not being produced in Ireland, we would need a lot more land to produce it elsewhere. So, you know, not to play the devil's advocate, but it's 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 a very complex issue because depending on the perspective, the angle, the level, you you may you know, there are different stories there. So, um, I guess my main point here is that it's it's important to be a thinking critically about these issues. And um, and I think this is the main message coming out of this presentation. The question there, um, could we provide a multi-dimensional sustainability assessment for each Irish farm, which would then give pointers to, to individual farmers as to the priorities they need to, to undertake in terms of, of uh, their move towards a more sustainable future? Well, look, this is something I think that ideally we would like to do. Because obviously, when you do that, then you're able to identify the areas of improvement really specific to that farm. And farms are very different. They operate in different ways. And so without doing, uh, you know, an individual assessment, it is difficult to advise them. Um, now, it is true that the amount of data that is needed in order to do this properly is enormous. And so in order to do that for each farmer, you would need to sit down with the farmer for a significant amount of time to get that data. And just to give you an example, the environmental data for this project, it took about two and a half hours for me to collect that. Um, and then the economic data is done by the data recorders from the, was done by the data recorders of the National uh, Farm Survey here. And the amount of time they dedicate to that is also, you know, very large. So, yes, ideally, this is what we want to do. But doing it with this level of detail would be difficult for each farmer. So we would need to look at tools that can use a reduced amount of information and maybe predict 
for that farm uh, the type of of uh, of strategies that we need to um, that we need to use. So it wouldn't be this tool, but maybe something else uh, going forward that that could be used. Uh, and maybe that, questions uh, coming in. Yeah, as, as a leader, maybe there, Lorraine. I suppose um, questioned in. Uh, there's plenty of comments. Uh, praise your presentation. They found it very engaging this morning, Lorraine. Uh, why is the organic um, German farm performing so poorly when it comes to biodiversity uh, versus the Irish farm who was farming more intensively with corresponding impacts? Um, I'm sure there's facts underlying it without looking at the, the, the overall content. So I suppose, why was the biodiversity in the German organic farm that bit poorer? I would need to look at the data, you know, a little bit better there because I, I actually did this analysis a while back. So I'm not sure I remember this very accurately. But uh, the Irish farm, you know, the biodiversity aspect came mostly from, uh, you know, having hedgerows and, uh, you know, maybe some trees on the farm. And this was assessed because we looked at the amount of land that was dedicated to, you know, trees and and these edges and stuff like that. Whereas the the German farm didn't didn't have those landscape features. Uh, and that was that was basically the, the main difference there. So are we undervaluing the, the, the value of these landscape features that we do have? Well, look, it's we know that they're very important. Um, but again, it, this is actually something difficult to measure. Uh, in the project, what we did is we did a self-assessment by farmers. So they were the ones to tell us the amount of land that was dedicated to those things. Uh, and you know, it was very good, but it wasn't very precise because farmers were like, I think it must be zero point, uh, you know, maybe one acre of land that is, if you put, you know, if you were to, like basically talking about their hedgerow, like uh, what amount of land does that cover, you know? So the, this wasn't very precise because it was self-evaluated. Uh, a better tool would be to look at a map and to actually do a proper uh, GIS measurement uh, but in this project it was not possible to do that because farmers didn't have farm apps in certain countries i know in ireland we do um to some to some extent uh but yeah if we were to do that in ireland more we would need the maps from everybody approval from the farmers that they're okay with sharing that and we need then an army of um people like me that would spend a lot of hours at the computer measuring on each single map for each farmer participating in that work, the amount of land that is dedicated to different landscape features. So there's been actually a study that has done that with a few NFS farms, but you can imagine that do this, to do this at a very large scale, it, it's not something very easy to do. Time consuming, yeah. Yeah, it's time. And time to ask another one, Pat, and you in then. Yeah. Um, just in relation there to, um, there were three individual farms you had in the case study there, Lorraine. Uh, how many farms uh, per country were involved in the study there, a question? So there were about two case studies uh, per country. In the end, um, we had some difficulties in the data. Uh, so we are only using, uh, we're not using all of them in the, in the final output, uh, but overall, there were loads of differences in the way they operate. And it was really interesting. Like there was a Norwegian farm, for instance, where the calves were left with the cows all year long. Um, and apparently this is something that is being explored in Norway and it's it's not that uncommon. Uh, and there was, it, this was very, it was very interesting to see, to see all of that. So. So the calves were left with the cows and the cows were going to be milked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the cubicles were larger to basically allow for more space you know I, I had some pictures they showed me some pictures of that and it was it was interesting and there was a Polish farm that didn't have a milking parlor they had a pipeline um you know in the kind of cubicle shed and they were kind of 
I don't know how much time it was taking to milk, but it, it was it, you know interesting to observe those differences. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I think you made the point uh, uh, at the end that that the purpose of the study wasn't to compare the performance in the countries. It was mm -hmm. to look at what was being done in 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 the countries and mm -hmm. and try and look at uh, performance measurement processes. Mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. if, if yeah. you know that. That's um, it, yeah, yeah. One thing that that uh, on the um, broader analysis you did uh, potentially characterizes Irish dairy farmers as as lonely optimists who, who optimists who feel underappreciated or who are underappreciated in terms mm -hmm. of, of what they what they do. Is there any pointers for us? I suppose particularly in relation to the lonely and the underappreciated part of that, that that uh, we can take on board in terms of of policy or activity in in terms of of uh, improving those issues. Well, look, I I think that um, this year, the last couple of years have been very difficult for farmers because there's been the climate targets. Um, you know, although. They are they are needed, but at the same time, it's something very difficult because we're coming to tell farmers that they're not doing enough when they feel like they're doing a lot and they are doing a lot. So this has been something difficult for for uh, for them, you know. And I I I empathize with that a lot. I think in Chagas we are trying to support that transition and, and help them as much as we can there. Um, and then obviously the, the input cost this year has been has been a big shock. Um, so at the time of the survey, there was all these things kind of going in the background. Um, I also, I just, I just want to mention that there is a PhD student, uh, an Irish PhD student as part of this project who ran a survey through the National Farm Survey uh, where she looked at farmers' perceptions around the GAG debate. And she, she had some really interesting results there in terms of, um, farmers feeling in Ireland like the, the the industry is not trusting them to to reduce their emissions uh, that they feel also not represented properly in the in the GEG debate uh, things like that and it was it was th those were really interesting results and um, there are definitely some things to learn from that um, I wouldn't know if I if, if I would be able to advise on how to use those results better to improve the current situation. I suppose for me, the main thing would be to show a little bit more empathy towards farmers because um, the amount of things that they deal with uh, on a daily basis is, is uh, you know, a lot more than what I deal with personally. <laughs> so I, I, I think uh, that there needs to be more empathy from both sides and a bit more understanding, you know, uh, of, of, of what they experience. So. Lorraine, just a question there about the output per cow from slide three there. Uh, could you maybe emphasize again how, how what kind of output each of the farms was doing in the case study that you had there? Uh, the output, sorry, I'm just uh, looking at the output per cow. Which slide did you say that was? I think it was slide three. It was the, the output per, per, per cow on each of the three different countries. The gross output or the or the milk yield was it? So the uh, the, the, the the milk yield, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, this was something interesting for me too. Like we, we know generally in Ireland we have a, a low input, low output system, mostly compared to other countries. Um, and so yes, the the cows in Ireland they they have a relatively lower milk yield per cow compared to some of the cows that you you would find elsewhere. Um, I suppose you know we we breed for cows that can walk long distances. Uh, because they, they graze outdoors and those cows are smaller, they, they produce a little bit less, um, but they can walk. <laughs> they can walk and go outside, whereas the cows that would be uh, bred in the continent, some of them do a bit of grazing, but they wouldn't be walking long distances. They're generally bigger, 
uh, they have much higher yields. So, you know, we breed a different animal, basically, adapted to the system. So, and I think there's a the couple of questions there, Lorraine, about the model you use. Is it the, the Dixie model? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that available or how, how do people find out how they can use it if they wanted to use it? Um, so the, the software itself where we actually uh, run the model is, is an open access uh, software. Uh, so this can, this is the tool we use to implement, to put our sustainability tree. The sustainability tree that we built was uh, built ourselves. And this is uh, information that will be published at a later stage. So you can keep an eye out on the, the Milky website or you can keep my email address and maybe contact me uh, if you want more information about that. Um, but yeah, the software itself where you can develop your own tree is, is available, uh, open access and, and our tree, um, will be also available through at the later stage to public. So, so it's a model that could be available. Yes. To yes. People. Yes. Okay. Um, I think if it were used for Irish specific conditions, the tree could be um, changed a little bit to match better the, the actual Irish conditions. If it, it, you know, we did this to compare farms uh, in, in a quite wide geographical area. So there are some indicators, like, for instance, irrigation of fields, like that's not relevant at all for, for Irish farms, but it was, for instance, for some Greek farms. So, uh, you know, the, the, the tree could be readjusted to, to match better um, the Irish conditions. Yeah, yeah there's a couple, a couple of questions and com- uh, comments. One around what uh, the metrics in relation to uh, uh, soil were in, in in the model, and another another comment more uh, highlighting the the absolute importance of uh, soil quality and soil quality issues in in terms of of our uh, our assessment of of sustainability. Well, I would prefer not to go too much in, in detail in that because it's actually the another team that prepared the environmental part of that uh, Dexy tree. So I would be worried to say something that is not uh, very accurate. But whoever put that comment, feel free to email me and I can send you additional detail about uh, specifically the soil quality metrics. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were related to... If, from what I remember, it's the level of toxicity related to pesticide use as well. Uh, and uh, this was not really very, uh, this is another example of something that was not very relevant in Ireland because we didn't grow arable crops and the, the amount of spraying that happens on grassland is very small compared to what you would observe on on, on cropland in, in other countries. So th- that's just another interesting example. Uh, and just a question, Lorraine, just making an example, you showed that the, the soil and air quality was very good for the Irish farmer, but mm-hmm. the water quality was less favourable. Was there any reason behind that was the question? Um, yeah, so basically the amount the amount of fertiliser that was applied on a per hectare basis in Ireland was quite high uh, compared to other countries. So this uh, would put quite a lot of pressure uh, in terms of nutrient, and that is the main indicator of risk to water quality. Um, then this actually is, is less problematic for the acidification problems uh, in the air and, and things like that. But um, but yes, yeah, so th- this was mainly driven by, by fertilizer use there for the uh, okay, so fertilizer use. Pat, back to you again there. Yeah, a, a comment again, or a, a, with a, a, an inherent question. Farmers seem uh, willing to do more for the environment, but need more support. A possible con- uh, conversation on economic versus environmental, on how the system traps farmers into an ever-increasing uh, race to the bottom in, in, in both areas. I suppose mm-hmm. that's a, a very big 
question, but uh, I think it points to uh, an issue that that is is there in in farmers' minds and in policymakers' minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, and and look, it's um, I think this is where this type of the heat diagram there was is an interesting tool to see that because you don't want to lower standards in one or the other so that you know that we achieve it's it's kind of it's difficult we're trying to achieve a balance but we don't want there's probably a threshold under which we cannot go under you know we we cannot ask farmers to make not a decent living you know in order to protect the environment this is something that obviously needs to be discussed but it's also a very sensitive topic so uh i think a good healthy conversation based on science is is needed uh for this type of, of conversations with policymakers and farmers and all of that so hopefully this type of tools can can help for that i think there's a, a comment here as well while every research study adds to understanding it does appear that this research highlights a lot of questions in the area and for for future research mm-hmm. uh, and um, i think maybe we, we we might finish on that point and and uh, make the point that that lorraine is 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 uh, uh joining the team on a permanent basis in in Athenry next next monday so i think you've created a lot of work for yourself to do from from this study you might you might see me again so uh in a little while hopefully with more answers okay well listen thank you very much i think there was a huge appreciation for for your presentation from from uh, the comments that we're, we're we're getting in it's it's challenging it's it's uh, kind of pointing as the last comment said uh, pointing to a lot more questions that that need to be answered but also i think given us a a, a little bit of guidance as to where we need to go in terms of working with farmers to highlight uh, the key, those key sustainability issues uh, for them, and try and and get to that point where we're we're improving our ability to guide them in in the direction they need to go. So thank you very much for that, and it's really appreciated. Thank you for having me. Uh, next week uh, we will be joined by Jill Higgins, who is head of sustainability at Dawn Meats, looking at at uh, Dawn Meats uh, uh, sustainability uh, strategy. And before I leave this the, uh, this morning, I'd just like to wish you uh, a, a very pleasant weekend and a, a thanks to our production team uh, of uh, Yvonne Marr and Andy Boland. So with that, I'll say goodbye and thanks again to everybody for for joining us. Goodbye. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.